Thanks for listening to the Sunday Teaching Podcast from Salt and Light, a community based in Fort Worth, Texas, making disciples of Jesus together by seeking His kingdom in everyday life. Find out more at saltandlightfw.com. So our hope is that we're setting you guys up well to study and be in the Word, be in Galatians this summer. So really excited to talk about this today. So what I want us to start with, though, is I want everyone to imagine a baby. Think of a one-year-old. Think of like Corey running around here. When you hand them a book, what are they most likely going to do with the book? Chew on it. Eat it. Put it in their mouth, right? I remember so many of our thick board books. You know, those are like the books that you have to have babies look at is the thick board books. So many of our thick board books having like teeth marks all along, like making borders of teeth marks, you know, and like the edges are frayed, the corners are ripped from my children trying to eat the book. And so we would teach them, right? You know, we don't eat books. We read books. We look at books. We can listen to books. We can touch the books, but we don't eat the books. (laughs) And that rule still stands, right? That's a good rule of thumb. So Eugene Peterson, he was a longtime pastor, professor. He's the author who wrote the Bible, excuse me, the Bible translation, The Message. That was Eugene Peterson's work. He also wrote a book titled, eat this book, in which he seeks to bring scripture back to the center of the Christian life. It's a wonderful book. I highly recommend it. If you're looking for something to just kind of understand scripture and be inspired by scripture again, like this is a great book. And I love this metaphor that he uses. And I love seeing all the ways that this metaphor pops up in scripture. So here's a list for you of scripture where you can see this metaphor, eat this book. In Jeremiah, Jeremiah is told, when your words came, Jeremiah says, when your words came, I ate them. They were my joy and my heart's delight, for I bear your name, Lord God Almighty. And then in Ezekiel, he says, but you, son of man, listen to what I say to you. Do not rebel like that rebellious people. Open your mouth and eat what I give you. And then I look, Ezekiel looks, and I saw a hand stretched out to me. In it was a scroll, which he unrolled before me. And on both sides of it were written words of lament and mourning and woe. And he said to me, son of man, eat what is before you. Eat this scroll and go and speak to the people of Israel. So I opened my mouth and he gave me the scroll to eat. And then one more time in the New Testament. Oh, is it not in there? There's another. That's okay. In Revelation 10, 9, I'll just, you can turn there if you want, but I'll read it to you. John has this vision in Revelation and it's Revelation 10, Nine, he says, so I went to the angel and asked him to give me the little scroll. He said to me, take it and eat it. It will turn your stomach sour, but in your mouth, it will be as sweet as sunny, as honey. I took the little scroll from the angel's hand and I ate it. And it tasted as sweet as honey in my mouth. When I had eaten it, my stomach turned sour. So today we get to talk about how to study the Bible. And this feels like such a simple message. You're like, I thought we come to church to like unpack scripture. But man, this is like one of those foundational things that I feel like we can never stop talking about. What does it look like to actually study the Bible? And I want to challenge us in here to become people who eat this book. That is what I want from us for our community. That is my desire for us as the people of Salt and Light is that we would be people who take it all in who ingest it and let it get into our whole bodies. I want to be a community of people who are known to eat this book. So um, let me pray for us, and then I'll get into sharing a little bit of my story with Scripture. 
God, I just thank you so much for this room full of people here and that we get to talk. We have the privilege of talking about your word and that we have the privilege to talk about what it looks like to study your word, to be transformed by your word. And I know some of this is going to feel familiar to us and some of it's not. And so I pray however you want that you would speak to each one of us individually of what this means. What does it mean to be people who eat this book? What do you want from us today, God? So Holy Spirit, would you just be present? Would you be working and active within us today? And it's in your name I pray. Amen. Okay, so my story of scripture, when I was born, my parents were not yet believers. So the first Bible I ever remember was in a relative's house. They had a Bible on their mantle, and you were not allowed to touch it. You were not allowed to get it down. It just was up there, you know? And then we started attending church when I was five. And so a few years later, I got my first Bible, and it was a Precious Moments, King James Version. And how many of y'all had a Precious Moments? There we go. Yep. And those Precious Moments people made my Bible feel so special. And so that was my first Bible. And then when I got into like junior high, middle school, became a teenager, I got my first teen study Bible. Anybody? Yes. Yeah. Okay. You know, I had like the like neon colors on the cover. Yeah. And I really loved it. And I remember I often had good intentions to read this Bible, but this Bible also had a lot of devotionals scattered throughout. And I found those way more interesting. And so I would read those. And so they were a way for me to feel like I was interacting with the Bible without actually really interacting with scripture. And so at this point, I knew, like when I was a teenager, I knew that scripture mattered, but I didn't really know what to do about it. I had an inconsistent habit with reading scripture. And as much as I wanted to read it, I also was strongly motivated motivated by the fact and the feeling that I should read it. You know what I'm talking about? That feeling like, well, I kind of want to do it, but I also feel like I really should do this. So then when I went to college, I studied English. I was an English major, but one of my teacher, one of the classes I had to take was New Testament studies. And the woman who taught that class, she just had a reputation. Everybody loved her. And she had a way of talking about scripture that made you crave it for yourself. She had a way of just highlighting the scripture pages that just made you want to lean in and learn more. Her understanding and her passion for the Bible helped me in ways that I am profoundly grateful for. Because around that same time in my life, I also would get a taste of people who began to use scripture to prove a point or to win an argument. You know, there was felt like really fun for people to debate things and just win and then make sure that everybody who did not win was understood their place, you know? People who tried to master scripture for their own purposes. You know, people who really seemed really seemed to love the Bible, but really didn't seem to be loving people. You guys know what I mean about that? So I would say for a good chunk of my 20s, Reading the Bible was a practice that I wanted, and I did desire it, but I really struggled to develop it. So then when I was pregnant with James, my firstborn, this was now, you know, 12 plus years ago, I remember doing a deep inventory of my life. Who did I admire? Who did I want to be like? Who were the people in my life that really reflected Jesus in the way that they lived? Who parented in a way that I wanted to parent? 
who was aging in a way that I wanted to age. There, there were a couple of older people that came to my mind. And at the time, at this time, 12 years ago, one of them had recently passed away. And when I was thinking about these people, the undeniable characteristic that they all had in common was their faithful commitment to God's word. They did not mess around. They took God's word seriously, and they took, they took their practice of being in God's word seriously. And they were the ones who inspired me. And that was a light bulb moment for me because I knew lots of Christians, but the ones who inspired me were the ones who were daily, faithfully committed to God's word. That realization God honestly used to shift my faith. It was a marker in my faith. Shortly after that, that's when I joined BSF, that's Bible Study Fellowship, and y'all know that that's a big part of my life. And that was also a marker for my faith. That's where I gained tools and skills to be able to study the Bible. And so I say all of this to help us understand that no one comes to this book without a history attached to it. We all have a relationship with the Bible, for better or for worse. The Bible, though, is full of stuff that is difficult to accept. It is confusing to understand. It might be at odds with our lifestyle. Some parts we might really love. Other parts we might find a little bit boring. Some parts of the Bible might make us feel mad or angry or confused. Some of us have seen a healthy relationship modeled with the Bible, but others of us have seen people make an idol out of it or use it in a power struggle. Maybe some of us haven't seen really anyone care much about the Bible. The reality is we all have a relationship to the Bible and we all have a history with it. And we all bring that with us when we encounter the Bible. And so we need to wrestle with that ourselves. And I encourage you guys to this week do some thinking about what is it that is part of your history when it comes to Scripture and how does that shape the way you approach it? When it comes to our interaction with Scripture, sometimes we feel guilt or shame over our practice. Sometimes we don't feel excited or joyful to read it. And what should we feel? Like that's a, I think that's a valid question. What should we feel when we're reading the Bible? Do our emotions have a place when it comes to reading the Bible? Does it matter what we feel? What role does the Bible play in our faith journey? And what role should it actually play? So that's what I want. We're going to talk through all that today. What I want to do is talk through why we study the Bible and then how do we actually do that. So with that being said, I want to lay some foundation for us just to make sure we're all on the same page here. What is the Bible? What is it that we're actually talking about? The Bible is both divine and human. And what I mean by that is divine in that it was inspired by God. It is from the Holy Spirit. Human in that it was written by people. I love that. I love that because it's this beautiful image of co-creation. It's this beautiful image of God using humanity to help usher in his kingdom work. I love that. I love thinking about that when we think about the Bible. It is not just a historical book or an ancient book of literature, although it is also those things. 
And it's not just a manual for living or a rule book, although it is, it does give us guidelines for right living. If you're curious, you know, if you're curious to do a deep dive into understanding, you know, the history of the Bible and how it came about and different translations and all of that, I cannot recommend enough the Bible Project. Get on their website, browse about. There's podcasts, articles, videos. You can plumb the depths on the history of the Bible. So I would start there with the Bible Project if you're looking for a resource. The Bible, though, it is the story of God. Christianity is rooted and shaped by this text. It communicates who God is, it communicates who we are, and then it communicates the big redemptive story that we are invited to participate in. This is the book that we are meant to feed on. Ultimately, though, this is a story that changes us today. These are words intended to get inside us, to deal with our souls, to form a life that reflects the heart of God. That is what this is meant to do. So here's the deal. Those questions, who is God and who am I? We've all asked them, right? Every single human asks those questions at some point. Who is God? Who am I? What is my purpose? What does any of this matter? Those are all questions that every single person has asked. Where do we seek to find those answers, though? As followers of Jesus, we look to the Bible. This is supposed to be our authority. The Bible is our authority. In order to know who Jesus is and how to walk in his way, we reach for this book. This is the text that we live our lives by. So why do we read the Bible, though? Why? What is it? Why, as Christians, is this our text? Well, the real aim in reading Scripture is to see and know God himself. We read the Scriptures in order to live more fully. Hebrews 4 tells us that it is this Bible, this Scripture is living and active, that this is not a dead word, that, old, that mattered back then. It matters today, too. Scripture tells us who God actually is versus who we fabricate him to be. Scripture tells us who we are, not who we have been tricked to believe. That matters. That matters that we understand the truth of who God is and who we are. I want God himself to tell me who he is. And I want my creator, God, to tell me who I am. And that means that I must look to his living and active word. God acts through his word, and it is what forms us. He did not leave us to figure this out on our own. We read for transformation, not information. Because we're all being shaped by something. And this is a really powerful thing for us to keep in mind. We're all being shaped by something. So what is it that is shaping you? What or who holds your influence? And think about this. If we don't spend time with God's word, but we do spend time on social media or the news or some other outlet of information, what do we end up reflecting? What do we end up regurgitating? What do we believe? How do we live? 
Our church vision for discipleship here, it is to be with Jesus, to be like Jesus and do the things that he did. And we say that a lot. So if we really want to be like Jesus and do the things he did, we have got to be with him in his living and active word. It means letting him have a say in everything we do. So we read the Bible because we believe God is our authority and we submit our lives to him. And we all give authority to something in our lives. And as Christians, as people who want to know God and to be transformed by him, that is going to happen through submitting to his word. Reading without surrendering control or authority, it might give you information about God, but it will not lead you to intimacy with God. We become like Jesus when we submit to God's authority in our lives, just like Jesus did. Now, I know one, three, one stream of thought that, we, that I've heard before, and I think it's a pretty common stream of thought in Christian circles, is this thought, I love Jesus, but I don't really love the Bible. I'm all in on Jesus, but I'm not interested very much in the Bible. And man, Y'all, we are short-circuiting our faith with that mindset. So what I want to do is kind of walk through a couple of different scriptures that look at Jesus and his relationship to scripture. So first, look with me at Matthew 4. I think we'll have this up here. Okay, so Matthew 4, this is at the very beginning of Jesus's ministry when he is tempted in the wilderness. And he says, he responds to Satan, he says, Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus is calling scripture, the saying it is comes from the mouth of God. And then a little bit later in Matthew 5, when he gives his sermon on the mount and kicks off his ministry, he says in Matthew 5, isn't there? Is that it? Okay. Well, that's okay. We will turn to Matthew 5 ourselves. Okay, so then in Matthew 5, he's giving the Sermon on the Mount, and he tells them, do not think that I, in verse 17, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but I have come to fulfill them. So then he spends his days living that out, showing them what it means for him to fulfill the Old Testament. And so that's his ministry. And then turn with me to Luke 24, if you can. I'll read it to you if not. Luke 24, okay, so this is after his death and resurrection. Jesus encounters a couple of disciples on the road who were discussing everything that had just happened with the, with the crucifixion and the, the, not the resurrection yet. They were discussing just the crucifixion. So read with me starting in verse 25. Jesus, he says to them, he approaches them, he says, how foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And then, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus acted as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. And when he was at the table with them, he took bread, he gave thanks, he broke it and began to give it to them. And then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. And they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked 
with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us. So I love seeing that from the very beginning of his ministry to the very end. What is happening here is Jesus is explaining scripture through the lens of himself. The whole story points to Jesus. So here's the thing. If you find yourself struggling with this tension that you love Jesus, but you don't love the Bible, look to Jesus. Look to his words here. Because if you believe that Jesus is the most trustworthy person there ever was, if you love him so much, if you believe that he is the most trustworthy person, then you can trust the Bible. Look at how Jesus himself submitted to the scriptures, how he fulfilled the scriptures, how he loved the scriptures. If you believe that Jesus is the most trustworthy person there ever was, then you can trust the Bible. So let's talk a little bit about how you study the Bible. And I want to first talk about how not to read the Bible. So the thing is, is you have to know how to study the Bible for yourself, because we do not want you to simply be content with secondhand information handed down to you from someone else through a podcast or a devotional or an Instagram post. The problem, though, we face when we're talking about reading the Bible and why this is kind of can be a, a, a topic that not a lot of people want to talk about is because sometimes when we talk about reading the Bible, we're humans. And what we do is we quickly turn things into a formula um, or a list of rules, and then we categorize it into good and bad. So good Christians, they read their Bible in the early morning while it's still dark out, and they light a candle, and they have soft music, and they have a beautiful Bible plan that they've never quit, and, and they never miss a day, right? That's what we think. That's the way we immediately start thinking when we talk about how to study the Bible. We immediately have this image of this is the right way to do it. So then we fall into this trap of obedience without faith. And then we end up taking a legalistic approach to reading the Bible. But the danger of legalism, though, is that what it does is it removes the need for a Christian to be dependent upon the Holy Spirit. It removes the need for a Christian to be dependent upon the Holy Spirit. Legalism is always a shortcut. And the thing that it shortcuts is the Holy Spirit. You do not need God's spirit when you have a formula. So we need to be careful to take reading the Bible seriously, but not creating it in a way that it's a formula and there's a right way and a wrong way to do it. Although there are wrong ways to do it. (laughs) That being said, I do want to apply a bit of practical application here. I don't want to be prescriptive, but I do want to be helpful. So sometimes when it comes to spiritual disciplines or practices, we get the vision behind it. But if you're like me, I want to know how. Like, I want some practical, tangible tools to help. So the first thing I want to say is that this is a lifelong practice, and it is a practice. It is not something to master and move on. And that's really important to remember. It's a practice, and it's going to change depending on our season of life that we're in. So if you have a regular practice of reading the Bible, keep at it. I'm not trying to change anything that is already working for you. But if you don't, I want to encourage you to start. And not from a place of guilt or shame, but out of a place of desire, or at the very least, just a place of curiosity. 
And if that does, if the thought of someone saying, hey, you should start reading your Bible and you start to feel guilt or shame, I want you to take that to the Lord and ask for desire and curiosity instead. Pick a gospel and meditate on a chapter a day. And maybe it does end up looking like an early morning for you, or maybe you listen to it on the way to your work or while on a walk. Maybe you find time over lunch for it, or you read a psalm before bed. Whatever it means for you, just start somewhere and trust that God will transform you and trust that he will transform this community. And when it comes to this community, I want to challenge each of us to share some of those best practices with one another. It's okay to say, you know what? This works really well for me. I learned so much from each of you. I love hearing what things work for you and what your practices look like. We learn well from each other. So don't hesitate to have those conversations with one another. But then don't stop there. Actually talk about what you're learning in scripture. Share what God is teaching you. Because the thing is, as a community in here, we do want everyone discipling one another. And we disciple one another with scripture. So share your questions or your thoughts, what's confusing, what moved you, what impacted you. And that's what we'll be doing this summer as we go through the book of Galatians. So be prepared to talk about it and get into scripture and then share what it is that you're learning. The bottom line is when you approach scripture with humility, you welcome Jesus's voice into your life. You welcome truth and love into your life. Scripture is how we become people of love, become people who look and act like Jesus. So what I want to do right now is take just a few minutes and talk through one way you might like to approach Scripture. And this is merely one suggestion. So take some of it, take all of it, take none of it. We, all we want is to see people regularly engaging with God's Word. So what I want to take the last few minutes to do is just talk through something called, which will be familiar for some of y'all, Lectio Divina, which means divine reading. And it is a contemplative way of reading the Bible. Lectio Divina, it started as a monastic practice from the 6th century, and I have personally found it really helpful. It's a really helpful way to interact with Scripture for transformation. And there are a ton of different resources out there to kind of help guide this if you want to learn more. So Eugene Peterson, going back to him, he calls Lectio Divina, he calls it spiritual reading. Reading that enters our souls as food enters our stomachs, spreads through our blood, and becomes holiness and love and wisdom. So this is one way to approach scripture. I don't do it daily. I do it a few times throughout the week. And there's going to be times when you approach scripture differently, when you need to approach it differently. I think sometimes there are parts of scripture that are much more helpful to read a greater chunk of it to get the fuller narrative. This past week, I read through the book of Galatians a few times. You know, it's a short book. You can sit there and read it in one setting. And I think that's a really helpful thing to do sometimes so you can catch the themes that are running throughout. Sometimes you're going to be in seasons with children where you're not sleeping very much and you have very little uninterrupted time. And the most you can do is a couple of verses. And that is so good. I used to have my Bible just sit open on the kitchen counter in my house so that I could be reminded to just enjoy just a little bit of it at some point during the day. You do what you need to do for the season that you're in. 
Sometimes we do read scripture to gain information, for study over a topic or a word or a theme, and that's all good. But with Lectio Divina, what we're doing is we're choosing to approach scripture slowly and for contemplation. It's a spirit-led practice. So a lot of this might sound familiar to you, but let's walk through the, a few of the steps. So the first step is simply to be still. For some of us, this is the hardest part. Still your soul. Who struggles to be still? This is a hard one. Quiet your mind. Man, that is so important. We live in such a noisy world. Quiet your mind. Years ago, God gave me this image that's silly. It's so silly. You know, sometimes you're like, really? Could we have maybe like made that a little bit more? (laughs) like less goofy, but he gave me this image. Okay, so you know those carnival games with the floating rubber ducks? You like pick one up and like if it's a number, then you're like win a prize. Okay, so I had this image of all of these floating ducks and and just sitting there and just letting all of the distracting thoughts come to me. And every distracting thought I had would be like a rubber duck. And I would take, imagine picking up one of those ducks, thinking that thought and getting rid of it and just going until all of the rubber ducks were emptied in my mind. Like, I mean, it, it could have been a better image, but, but it helps me to imagine picking up these to, have, get, to get rid of the thoughts. It also helps me, very practically speaking, to always have a pad of paper next to me so that when I do have those thoughts that I don't need to deal with right now, but I do need to deal with them at some point in the day, just to quickly write it down, you know? Don't forget to send that email. Make that appointment. Whatever it is I need to do, that way it's out of my mind, but it's not lost in making me panic that I'm going to forget it or that I need to deal with this right now or else it won't happen. So that's just a really helpful thing for me to do is just simply write it down so it doesn't weigh me down. So this part of being still, um, this might mean two minutes for you. It might mean 10 minutes for you. There's not a time or a formula that I'm going to give you other than just to say, make yourself be still. Quiet your soul. Take some slow, deep breaths to quiet your body and your mind. And then ask God to speak to you through his word. To me, this is also a really helpful thing where I use the breath prayers. I find that really helpful, you know, where I just, I've told you before how I'll breathe in the, the word Yah and I'll breathe out way. And I'll just do that a few times just to kind of steady my soul, um, physically calm my body. That's a really helpful thing for me. So that's the first thing. Just be still. The second thing then is to read the passage. Whatever it is that you're in, you know, whether it is you're reading the chapter in Galatians or you're reading a psalm or you're just reading four verses from the gospel, whatever it is, read that passage and read it again. Pay attention to a word or a phrase that stands out to you. Maybe a word or phrase that draws you in, that resonates with you. Or maybe there's something that makes you feel uncomfortable and it leaves you start asking questions. Just pay attention and la- allow the Holy Spirit to highlight something for you. And, I, and, it, and it happens. You know, the other day when I was reading Galatians, I was attempting to read a chapter and I just kept getting stuck on this verse And just had to sit there and think, okay, what is it, Lord? What is it that you're trying to teach me in this? What is it about myself that is struggling with this verse right now? So just read the passage. Read it again. After you've read the passage one, two, three times, take some time to reflect. 
Spend some time meditating on the words. Read the passage again. This is a time where you might read it for the third or fourth time. Think on your highlighted word or phrase. Maybe maybe there's a verse that's been highlighted to you and you just want to go back and read that verse a few different times. Ask God what he wants to show you. How does this connect to my life today? What do I need to know or be or do in response to this? The thing about scripture that is hard for, I think, most people is scripture invites us to pay attention. And paying attention is an invitation to deeper intimacy with the Lord. So we are asked to pay attention. And so what that looks like then is to pay attention and notice, notice your feelings and notice your emotions and think through it. How do I feel about what I'm reading? Notice what you're feeling without judgment. Do not bring shame or guilt into this. Notice what you're feeling without judgment. Why do you feel this way? What do those reactions tell you about yourself? So as you bring your emotions into your scripture reading, because I do believe they have a place there, you might notice that you feel joy. You might feel peace. You might feel comfort. Or you might feel confusion or conviction or discomfort. Your emotions are not bad, but you can trust God with your emotions. Remember, your emotions are not your authority. God is the authority. And here's the thing. It is infinitely better to tell God, this part feels hard to read, rather than just closing your Bible and walking away. Sit with the Lord as you notice your emotions. And what you will find is a place of intimacy with God for your own soul's sake. We know that we grow in our relationships with each other when we are open and vulnerable. And it is the same with God. So after we do, we be still, we read, we reflect, and then we respond. And we respond in prayer. So read the passage again. If that feels like something that the Spirit is asking you to do one more time, read it again and let God's word spring into a conversation for you. Scripture is the main way that God talks to us. So responding in prayer after reading scripture, that is an important part of reading the Bible. Talk to God about the word or the phrase that the Spirit highlighted for you. Why do you think it stood out to you? What emotions came up? What questions do you have? What doesn't make sense? Respond with all of that in prayer to God. And then finally, the very end, the thing that I would encourage you to do last is just take a few moments to rest. Rest in God's presence and do as you are led. Maybe you sit in quiet companionship with God contemplating the passage more. Maybe you're allowing new insights to seek in. Maybe you're praising and thanking God for how his word is active in your life. Whatever it is, rest for a few moments with the Lord. End your time by asking God to transform your thinking, your acting, your being. 
So that's one way that I would encourage you to approach Scripture and, and, you know, try it out with Galatians this summer, walking through the passage slowly, making time to listen to the Spirit. We cannot be transformed by this this book without the Holy Spirit. So um, I encourage you to practice this this summer and see what happens. What I want us to do right now is I want to end our time and invite us to communion by reading part of Psalm 119 over you. Okay, I'm going to start in verse 97. Oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. Your commands make me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever with me. I have more insight than all my teachers, for I meditate on your statutes. I have more understanding than the elders, for I obey your precepts. I have kept my feet from every evil path so that I might obey your word. I have not departed from your laws, for you yourself have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. I gain understanding from your precepts, therefore I hate every path. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. We desire to be a community of people who feast on his word, who eat this book. Here at Salt and Light, God's word is our authority. And so this is what we use to discern God's voice. This is how we know God and how we learn to reflect his love to the world around us. And in order to obey it, in order to feast on it, to consume it, to eat it, we need to be a community of people, not only devoted to one another, but devoted to the Bible and the Spirit of God. It matters that we pursue God's word in community, and it matters that we are a community here formed by God's word. When I want to invite us into communion right now with this thought, Jesus, we know, is called the Word made flesh. And in this meal, he invites us to eat his body, to remember that he is the complete embodiment of this story. So as an act of submission and as an act of desire, take on your tables, eat and drink and remember the radical grace and love shown to you by Jesus and found in this book. So take the book, take the cracker, dip it into the wine, and eat. Let me pray for us. God, we know that there is life to be found in your word. That there is love and intimacy and transformation that happens when we engage with you through your word. So Lord, I pray that right now you would give each one of us a greater desire to know you through your word. That you would shape us to be a people who eat this book, who are transformed by the words in this book and that we would be transformed from the inside out holy in a way that would reflect you and it's in your name i pray amen